Welcome to the Four Fires Podcast, where we talk about winning in all four of the essential areas of life. And here's your host, Alan Kemper. All right, well, welcome to the Four Fires Podcast. I'm Alan Kemper. And I'm Jeff Rice. And today we are going to talk about um, kind of a topical conversation. Uh, We're looking at an article here. Uh, This came out Tuesday, May 2nd. Uh, This this particular article was published on CNN by Catherine Dillinger. Uh, The title of the article is Surgeon General Lays Out Framework to Tackle Loneliness and Mend the Social Fabric of the Nation. Jeff, uh, you and I have been kind of looking over this and just taking a, a, you know, just Mm -hmm. a quick quick blink at what is put into this article. Um, the first thing that kind of stands out to me is, you know, it leads off saying that we are, we are living in a, a time of epidemic loneliness and isolation. And quote says, affecting the country and laying, so laying this uh, groundwork for uh, them designing a national strategy to advance social connection. And I just thought, how ironic. <laughs> In this season of social media connection, arguably we are, almost unarguably, we are the most digitally connected, yep. engaged group of people that have ever existed on the planet mm-hmm. and we hold that up as, as this wonderful thing and here we are now we have a government policy ide- identifying that this is tearing apart our society yeah we're all we're all connected on social media but maybe social media isn't so social <laughs> <Right>. is it <laughs> yeah yeah, it it, uh, it actually looks like from the from the article here, it points out how social media encourages antisocial behavior. Yep. Uh, article goes on to say, in recent years, about one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness, uh, and those numbers are from before COVID nineteen. Mm. So this is this is pre pandemic, uh, which I would argue society has significantly changed since then. For sure. So what is What's the problem with isolation and loneliness? Does it does it really matter um, in terms of who we are as humans and who we get to live physically, emotionally, relationally? Yeah, I'm looking. I know down here it says social connection is as essential to humanity as food, water, or shelter. And and I would say that, I would say that I agree with that. They didn't teach me that in first grade when yeah. I was learning about the basic human needs. But yeah. but now maybe they will in school. This is now uh, we have to teach people. We have to teach people that they need to have relationships. Yeah, yeah. This is this is crazy. Uh, they're citing some research where it says uh, research has shown that loneliness and isolation are linked to sleep problems, inflammation. I'm guessing they're talking about inflammation of the joints, like immune changes, all of that existing in younger adults. It says in older adults, uh, they are tied to symptoms such as pain, insomnia, depression, anxiety, and shorter lifespan. Hmm. Um, I, I, this is not in this article, but I heard something uh, this week that uh, maybe it was the Surgeon General or the CDC released that um, loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day in terms of reducing your lifespan. Wow. You know, until now, I don't know that we could quantify that 
social relationships have physi- physiological, not just like psychological, yeah, but physiological impacts on our body. I'm fascinated that the U.S. government has acknowledged this and is now creating a, a public policy <laughs> to try to address this social social enemy. Yeah. The article says, this is uh, Vivek Murthy, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy. Uh, he says, we are called to build a movement to mend the social fabric of our nation. Given the profound consequences of loneliness and isolation, we have an opportunity and an obligation to make the same investment in addressing social connection that we have made in addressing tobacco use, obesity, and the addiction crisis. Mm. Man. The U.S. government's got a lot on its back. Yeah. <laughs> if it's trying to solve all of the problems of society, is that really the obligation of the U.S. government to solve this problem for us? Or is that problem better solved at the micro level? Yeah. They, uh, they lay out a framework for the six pillars, the six things that, the, that they're going to try to do to address this, this uh, social issue. So the first one they lay out is strengthening social infrastructure in communities. Now, this one's interesting. The U.S. government is going to take a stab at trying to boost programs like volunteer organizations and religious groups. And then they go on to talk about increasing things like public transit and physical elements like libraries and green spaces. I miss yeah. I miss how <laughs> creating yeah. libraries. I've never I think the whole policy of the library is shh, yeah, don't talk, don't to, talk to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and go, then go green th- green spaces is that like in Parks. the city if you have a small area like a park where they're yeah but you don't you don't talk to people in the park no <laughs> I mean people go and walk their dogs to be alone that's right, in the yeah, park yeah <laughs> which is fascinating like that's their first pillar this is the thing that's gonna fix things the most we're gonna boost programs like volunteer organizations and religious groups mm-hmm. I can see how. I can first see two, the yeah. first two, yep. the, you know, there's some possibility there, but is that is that the government's role? Do they even have the constitutional right to back those, give give public funds to those yeah. kinds of organizations? If it's their way of trying to poke <laughs> poke the uh, you know the nation and say you guys have to do it, we're saying that the <laughs> the government needs to do it, but we're really saying that you guys need to start it. Well, you know, it's interesting. There was when they shifted. And I'll have to go back and think about the dates on this. But there was a large societal shift that happened when we introduced the idea of Social Security. Hmm. Up until the 1940s, my dates I'm sure are off, but when, when the Social Security system was implemented, up until that point, all of homelessness, all families in need, those needs were handled at the local level and most often by the church. Hmm. So... People understood there are going to be people who are down on their luck, and Mm -hmm. there are going to be things that happen. But then when we implemented this large-scale government, you know, big government solution for this, what happened to giving to local churches Mm -hmm. is that it dropped off significantly. Mm. People, People, rightly so, thought, oh, there's now a government framework in place for me to that I'm giving to through my taxes that's mm. supposed to take care of the needy. Yeah. So as opposed to going to go give. So I, so the yeah. church no longer needs to perform that role. Right. But the problem is is that when 
you know, if I'm needy, if I, if I lose my job and I have to go to my friends in my local community and say, hey, I'm, I'm really in a tight spot, mm-hmm. I have to look at another person in the face and say, I need help. Yeah. And then they can help me both financially but also socially. Mm-hmm. But if I go to government and they say, oh, you're down on your luck, I'll write you a check. Mm-hmm. Then you don't even have to go anywhere face-to-face. You just go fill out a piece of paper online. You've removed the social element of help. Mm -hmm. And so so we saw giving to churches decline significantly when we we looked to government to provide that social, an answer to that social problem. I think here again, as we look to government to provide a macro solution for a local micro-level problem, you're going to it, – it, it creates a, a mentality of, oh, well, somebody else is taking care of that. Mm. So I guess my question is, is what do we do? I mean, if I look at this proposal, you know, their first pillar is, endo- you know, kind of encourage these organizations and religious groups and then create public transit. Okay, so I guess that's, that's their first pillar. Their second pillar is – uh, more pro-connection public policies. So what they're saying there is they want government institutions to adopt an approach that recognizes that policies can benefit or hinder connection in every he- sector of society. Policymakers should focus on reducing disparities in connection. I'm not sure if I'm a state legislator or a local government official what policies I'm going to work on creating that are going to reduce disparities in connection. Any po- any, anybody who's in public policy, <laughs> chime in and let me know yeah. what, what your good ideas are for that. Yeah. Third pillar relies on the crucial role of public health and healthcare delivery systems. So there, Murthy is calling for an increased investment in educating healthcare providers about the physical and mental benefits of social connection and the risk of disconnection. So Jeff, next time you walk into your doctor and you tell them that that you're sad. Mm-hmm. What are they going to tell you? <laughs> Probably, if they can't prescribe a pill for it, they won't say anything right. because they know that they could get sued or something. For like sure, that. yeah. If I go to my doctor and they look at me and they go, "Alan, you're all of this depression and suffering that you're dealing with right now. It's really a byproduct of you not having any friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to go find some friends." <laughs> my recommendation is you go get a beer with a couple of guys at the bar next week. Yeah. Like, if you say that, you're going to get sued for malpractice. Like, there's no, uh, there's no way that our healthcare system, they're not incentivized to do it. No. They're not trained to do it. It's not their job. Um, but we're, gonna, we're about to pour a bunch of money into educating these people. Mm-hmm. So that's fascinating. Yeah. What about this fourth pillar? Oh, reforming digital <laughs> environments. There Ref- it is, yeah. Yeah. The fourth pillar, reforming digital environments. It says, technology can also distract us and occupy our mental bandwidth, make us feel worse about ourselves and our relationships, and diminish our ability to connect with others. Some technology fans the flames of marginalization and discrimination, bullying, and other forms of severe social negativity. Some, some forms. Some forms. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah so, so the fourth pillar <clears throat> is to reform digital environments. There's an easy way to reform them. You just unplug them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But again, that's not government. Government doesn't have the power no. to eliminate that. That no. comes at the individual level, right. recognizing it's not good for you. Yep. And, yep. and making a personal choice around that. Yep. Put your phone down and have a 
conversation with another human. Well, and actually it goes on to talk about the, this idea of one of the things that's um, different about how young people use their phones versus people who grew up with phones hanging on the walls right. is that young people won't, they don't call. They just, mm, text. just text. And they're even saying yeah. that there's a distinction between greater amounts of loneliness just when you're not even, just when you text instead of you're actually. Not, like, there's probably something to do with hearing another human's voice. Right. Is, is part of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be honest. I f- like I text way more than I call. But when I call someone, it's because I, uh, well, I mean, if I'm calling family, I'll call and just to talk. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to talk. Uh, and I'm trying to do it more, but with friends, I'll, I'll call way home from work. I'll call a friend and be like, hey, man, because I know we're both driving home from work. Yeah. So I'm like. What's going on? How was your day? But then other than that, I don't call unless it's like I need an answer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just because texting is, I mean, texting is great. I mean, it's, it's, an, it's a useful tool, but I agree that, that we, should, we should talk on the phone more or rather, rather than sending someone a, a DM on Instagram, just call them. Yeah, just call them <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how all of these little things add up to our sense of disconnectedness. Yeah. That there is a, you know, whether it's, it's all, it's, they're, they're identifying, I think, rightly, a lot of the things that stack up against us to make us feel lonely. Uh, I just am not convinced that, you know, the government, government is good for a lot of things, but they're big macro solutions. The government is the hammer. Government, but it's not, it's not the scalpel that you need for local level change. And all, and this is really, I mean, you're talking about loneliness. You're talking about like small, small communities, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So they go on to talk about the fifth pillar as deepening knowledge, urging stakeholders such as officials and policymakers and healthcare providers to collaborate on a research agenda to address gaps. They want to consistently measure and understand the driving forces of connection and disconnection they don't, they, how we can move, how we can be more effective and efficient in addressing these states. Yeah, I think I think you had the solution. <laughs> I think it was when people lived in real community with each other, and they went to church with each other, mm-hmm. and they worked alongside of each other yep. in in common workplaces, mm-hmm. and then we killed it. <laughs> yeah, and now we're going to research and try to figure out what is it that we need to do to build a social fabric. Oh wait, we already had one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another another uh, point is everyone wants to and thinks they should be able to work remote. Mm-hmm. So like people aren't even many like many people that I know work remote. They just they wake up every morning, they fix a cup of coffee and they sit on at their desk in their pajamas all day on their computer yeah. and they work remote. And I, I mean, that's OK. It's fine. But but it takes away from just going to work and being with other people. Yeah. Well, and so. So recently, there's some articles that have come out, you know, uh, even even the big tech companies like Facebook are calling their employees back into the office because they found after the pandemic that they're not as productive. Mm, predict- productivity and, went down, yeah. And greater rates of depression and all these mm. other social maladies. Yeah. And so it's it's like, and I do, when I talk to young people and, and we try to hire people here, the question comes up, do I get to work remotely? Mm-hmm. You know what? Every time I sit down for dinner with my eight-year-old, the question comes up, can I have cotton candy for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> it's always going to come up. And he, yes, he wants that. Yes, you can. Yeah, you could. You, you could. could eat cotton candy every night for dinner. 
It's not good for you. And the long-term consequences <laughs> of that are not good. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's the same thing with, you know, we, we, we want this autonomy to feel like, you know, oh, I'm in control. I've got my day, you know, at my fingertips. But the reality is that the long-term on that, it's not good for us. Mm-mm. We were designed to be in community. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's directly correlated to the verse that we use for First Corinthians. I'm drawing a blank. Twelve, twelve, something, thirteen, something, something like that. Number, number, but, colon, number, yeah, number. Yeah. Uh, all things are permissible, but not all things build up. All things are permissible, but I will be mastered by nothing. So yeah. you can do whatever you want. You can eat cotton candy for dinner, and you you can do whatever you want, but it's not beneficial. Are you an, are you an adult, and can you think about how it's going to impact you over time? Yeah. And we yeah. all we all can understand what is actually good for us and what's not good for us. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. I think that is. You know, one of the things that I think the thing that the government could do is create education. We now do have more options for things that can hurt us. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is. You know, in the in the nineteen fifties and sixties. So smoking was socially acceptable. I know mm-hmm. my grandfather started smoking at 13 years old. Yep. It was just commonplace. Everybody did it. Yeah. And once it became obvious that there were some serious health consequences to that, that maybe we don't want our 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, for the same reason, you know, that social media, the reason, the reason that there are age restrictions on nicotine, tobacco, mm-hmm. which is nicotine, alcohol, gambling, uh, pornography. All things that are highly, highly addictive. Highly addictive because they create dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. Social media creates the same dopamine hit in your brain. And we give our kids phones when they're four years old. You hand It's like opening the liquor hat cabinet and saying, hey, you know, like, this is fun. Have at yeah. it. You having a rough day? Yeah. Here you go. Yeah. Come try some liquor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're surprised when the neural pathways in their brain get formed to be addicted to mm-hmm. this dopamine hit. Yeah. And so... So I think now what we're starting to see is the social consequences of the cell phone mm-hmm. or the smartphone, I'll say. Yeah. I think the whole world changed when Steve Jobs created the iPhone. Yeah. Like when he took that phone and, and first put it out, all of a sudden we had access to, to things that were going to pull us away from healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. That we're going to make us antisocial. Yeah. And now we're finding out that what we've suspected is now backed by research uh, is that we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. We need these social connections. Yeah. And tech, like, and I, smartphones, technology, like, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they are great tools. Yep. Uh, I went to a marriage conference a couple months back, and uh, the guy speaking said that. Technology, your cell phone is a great tool. No, he said. He said technology. Your cell phone is a great servant. It's a terrible king. Oh yeah. And so if if your technology in your cell phone is you're using it as a tool to help you stay connected with family that lives across the country, mm-hmm. or you're using it to help you be productive with work, but if it rules over you where you can't let leave your cell phone in one room and walk into the next without like oh no I don't have my cell phone. 
Yeah. That's when it's ruling over your life. It owns you. Yes. Yep. Instead of you owning it. That's a great, right. that's a great framework. Um, just to kind of think about, yeah. Are, is it, are you the master of it? Or yeah. Is it the master of you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah. the, te- the right. check for that is if you can't put it down, yep. it owns you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I, there was a time where I, there, where I was like, oh my gosh, I hate cell phones. Every time I'm in a room, nobody's looking at me because everybody's just looking at their cell phone. And I was like, I went too far and I was like, we should just destroy every cell phone in the whole world. But the reality is it is a great tool and, yeah. and they're like smartphones are amazing and technology is amazing. But we, we all should, uh, you know, I watched on, on Netflix, there's a documentary called uh, The Social Dilemma. Uh-huh. Have you seen that one? Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it talks about how uh, social media works and how it it it's they mastered a way to make sure that your eyeballs are, never leave mm-hmm. and so I hate the idea of knowing that I'm being controlled by something and yeah. so when I watched that I was like oh no yeah. not anymore and yeah. so I'll, I'll catch myself just on my phone and then it, I'll just like they got me I'm trapped uh-huh. and I'm like nope and I just and I just come to and I'm like nope not not allowing that to happen yeah right now and that's that's interesting because I remember uh, early on in my teen years, I figured out that there were certain certain situations, certain dating situations, that if I got myself into them, I was not strong enough to say no in the situation. Mm. Yeah. And so I had to be strong enough to say no to the situation. Yeah. Like just don't if don't put yourself in that place mm-hmm. where you're going to make a decision that you regret. Yep. Because if once I get into that moment, uh-huh. I'm not going to be strong enough to say no in yep. that moment. Yep. And I think that's the same thing we have to do with social media is I'll catch I'm same thing, like especially when I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I just I'm, I'm not as resistant yep. and you just start scrolling and scrolling and oh my gosh, I just watched an hour worth of YouTube shorts. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. My day tomorrow is going to suffer because I spent from 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock in the morning yeah. mindlessly scrolling. Yep. So, um, yep. And it's the same thing with – so you made me think about not when you said not putting yourself in those situations. Yeah. When I was in high school, I had a real bad pornography addiction. Yeah. And I, and I got to a point – I was meeting with my, my uh, youth pastor, and he was talking to me. And my dad was super awesome, and he was – he was a, he was an awesome dad because he actually, um, from about twelve years old and up, he was asking me questions about pornography and how I was doing and cool. checking in on me, which like no other guy that I know had that. Yep. And so I'm super thankful that my dad asked those questions because I know that that's something that uh, is super uncomfortable, but it's absolutely needed. Like I remember him talking to me like, you know, we teach our kids about money and how to get an education Mm -hmm. and how to be good at sports. And we teach all our kids all this stuff, but then the area of lust and sexuality and all this, we never talk about it, and we wonder why so many people mess it up and so many people have pornography addictions. Um, But I can remember I would put my cell phone, and and at the time I was going to school where we we were required to have an iPad Mm -hmm. for our work, and I would put my phone and my iPad downstairs in the kitchen and plug them in there and then go upstairs and go to bed yeah. because I knew that I could not take those 
alone with me into my bedroom because I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. And I and so same thing, like don't put yourself, like you were saying, into those situations. And that was we've talked about um, the two degree or, or the ruts. The ruts you the, get into the in ruts. Your life. And so, like, imagine a tractor driving through an old field that's been driving that same path, this muddy path for a, a, your granddad drove mm-hmm. on that same path, your dad drove on that same path, and now you're driving in that tractor in those same ruts on the family farm, and you don't even have to steer because the tires just stay in the ruts and you stay there. Right. And sometimes when you, like, if you have a social media addiction or a YouTube addiction or, like, you can't put your phone down, sometimes you just got to grab the wheel and snatch it as hard as you can to the right. And that was what I did, having to not even take my technology into my bedroom with me alone. Yeah. And so sometimes that's just the, what you have to do. Yeah, yeah. sometimes the two-degree shift is useful, but when you're stuck in a rut, you need to make you know, yank the wheel to the right yeah. and make a hard shift. Yep. Yeah. And, and more and more our kids and the younger generation are having these – tools handed to them and and you know that tool that we put in our kids hands yes it has an ability to be a servant but especially for a young child it very quickly becomes their master Mm. and I I have some concerns about you know even even the educational requirements of just putting you know oh all of this stuff is you know all this stuff is online. You have mm-hmm. to have access to it. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one of the areas that we have to be mindful of, not only for ourselves, but as we lead and guide people who are, you know, a little, little younger than us as we help them. Because yeah. we now know. I mean, you would think I was crazy if I handed my kid a box of cigarettes <laughs> at 12 years old. Yeah. In the 1960s, that was normal. Mm-hmm. But now you know. Yeah. And so that's good. That's if you good. if you hand yourself your hand your kid a cell phone that has the same dopamine response, everybody thinks it's fine. Everybody that's else good. thinks it's fine. Are you going to hand them the phone? That's good. Just like you would have handed your kid a box of cigarettes, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's good. Um, we have to start thinking about that um, because here are some real public health ramifications. And as much as the government wants to do something about it, I don't think that. I don't think it's their problem to solve. Mm-mm. I think nope. it is our, like, if we are going to continue to be a nation of free people, yep. we have to be free thinking. Yep. And we have to think for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think it, like you said, it starts in the, it doesn't, it doesn't start like the government, the nation. They, you can't do it on that big of a scale, would you say? You can't fix a micro problem with a macro solution. solution. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the smaller communities and it starts with smaller churches smart starts with families Mm -hmm. and then it starts with the man of the house Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um the problem the other problem is so um what it what it takes away what you lose by creating a government policy so they can do a good job of helping create awareness but we can't lose personal ownership Mm -hmm. because it is this ownership of your own life that I mean, yeah, they're addressing that there's a societal issue, but the reality of all of these problems, depression, insomnia, anxiety, like these are individual problems Mm -hmm. that you are opening yourself up to. Yeah. And so, okay, now we're aware. If you're listening to this podcast, now you're aware. Mm -hmm. You now have to take ownership 
of that of the choices that you're making and discipline against all of these things against everyone saying that it's fine to be addicted to your phone yeah <laughs> yeah it it's a it's a norm right now it's, it's acceptable mm-hmm. but it can't be acceptable for you yeah another topic that that this made me think of was uh, we say that leadership is just influence mm. and in order to lead others the question is can you lead yourself right. and then if leadership is influence that means can you influence yourself to do the things that are necessary to live a successful life a four-dimensional life yeah and and then it made me think about for me i don't want to get information like this about being obsessed with your phone and and not not you know making your family feel like you see them and like all this uh, uh, having things rule over your life. I don't want to hear all this and be like, yeah, that's good. My wife's addicted to her phone. She won't put it down. Oh, it's easy to point to other people. Right. Yeah. I don't ever want to be that way. I want to lead by example. And as the man of my family, I'm called to lead by example. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take all of this and first apply it to my life. And then don't even don't even say the words out loud to the people in my family that I'm I just want to lead by example. Hmm. And then hopefully, I mean, I, I guess there's a case where maybe it's not 100 percent of the time you're going to influence them. But leadership is just influence. So if you're leading and you're making sure that uh, you're not addicted to your phone and you're not, you know, addicted out, you know, like all these things that we don't want to do. You're leading by example, and you're influencing your family, and they're going to see you doing the the things that are necessary to living uh, a successful and fulfilling life. And so, I, I, I tell myself, don't just don't just uh, point your finger and tell other people what they should be doing. Make sure that you're doing it yourself. We talk about the only difference between between knowledge and wisdom is application. For sure, a fool can know everything, mm-hmm. but only a wise person knows how to take what he knows and apply it to his life. Yep. So. Yeah. 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 Um, what you're, what you're talking about is this idea of moral authority. Yes. When, when you need to lead someone, when you need to influence someone and you want them to make a change, um, the first person that you have to be able to lead is you. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, there's, there's this idea of, am I living right Mm -hmm. so that I can encourage ideally encourage and inspire, but if yeah. need be, hold people accountable to mm-hmm. live the life that they need to be living as well. Right. And that is a, that's a tricky line to walk when we all know that we all fail and we all slip up. Yeah. Um, and so that's why identifying a standard that, and, and accepting grace mm-hmm. and understanding, yes, there is a standard. No, I don't always live up to it, mm-hmm. but, but I, but I'm still obligated as your brother, yep. as your father, mm-hmm. as your husband to hold you accountable to live to this standard that we both agreed to. Yeah. And that's a tough, that's a tough line to walk. Yeah. But it starts with leading yourself. Yeah. And one of the things that I got from my pastor was he said his son one time did, did something and he actually got in trouble with the law and he was, his son was handcuffed in the back of this police mm-hmm. car. And so then the police officer called his dad and said, hey, we got your son and you need to come down here. Yeah. And and so the guy showed up at the police station and it was just so profound what he what he said to his son and he walked up to the car and he said that he realized that his son needed him. Like mm-hmm. his son was in trouble and his son had gotten himself into trouble and his dad was the only person that could help him. Mm-hmm. But he walked up and rather than coddling 
and saying, like, oh, I, I'm sure you probably didn't do it or whatever, he walked up and he said, son, I know what you did. He, I don't know if he really knew what he did or not, but he said, son, I know what you did, but that's not who you are. Mm-hmm. And and it was just like words of life yeah. that he was speaking to his son. And I, I can imagine that his son will never forget that line from his dad. Rather, Or so it, his dad could have coddled him and be like, oh, it's okay, son. Like, I'll get you out of this. Or he could have, you know, excommunicated him from the family and like, you terrible. I can't believe you ever did that. You embarrassed this family. So it was like the perfect middle ground for uh, changing his son's heart rather than trying to change his behavior. What he did in that scenario is he gave him back his identity. Mm. Because in either one of the situations, if he had coddled him and said, oh, I know you're okay. What he is acknowledging is that's really who he is. Mm. And he's sorry that he got caught for that. Yeah. Or if he goes the other way and excommunicates him, mm-hmm. he's giving him the identity of of a, of a criminal. Yeah. But by walking that middle path of saying, I know what you did, yeah. but this is not who you are, mm-hmm. he gave him his identity back. Yeah. And that's such an important part for men is for us to know who we are. That's and good. So what brilliant, you know, for that guy, for that father in that mm-hmm. high-intensity moment— to have the clarity of mind or, or you know, the, the mouth speaks out of an overflow of the heart. Mm-hmm. And when we, that's, that's the kind of wisdom that comes out of our mouths when we spend years connecting our souls to our Creator. Mm-hmm. That in moments of, of, of crisis, yeah. what can come out of our mouth is the wisdom of Christ yeah. because that's when we're going to need it. But it's like working out on game day. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you. No, nope. like it's you need to hurt you. <laughs> that you need to have done the preparation months and weeks, years, in years advance. in advance to be ready for the game. Mm-hmm. And that was an example of that man having his soul ready yeah. for game day. Man, that's so and good. And he was able to perform. Yep. Man, that is that's super cool. Yeah. One shout out I want to give is to Jeff Rice Sr. for uh, as he was uh, having com- real conversations with you, Jeff. Um, we talk about the importance of these social relationships, and part of the relationship there that is so important is that relationship between the father and the son. Mm-hmm. And what your dad did for you in the place where he said, "Hey, I'm going to have a real conversation with you about pornography, yeah, because I care about you, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to." Ignore the awkwardness because the the cost is worth the reward. Right. Um, that's the kind of relationship that because he gave you that, you know, you are a better man because of it. And and it is, I and I now know that that's that is necessary, and it should be what I do with my sons for sure, for yeah. sure. But those are the kinds of social relationships mm-hmm. that help us to not suffer from anxiety and depression and lack of identity. Yeah. Um, yep. So so kudos to you, Jeff Sr. Way to go. <laughs> you you raised a good boy uh, who's becoming a great man. So, um, um, yeah, one of my favorite things that I've heard, I heard uh, a lot of you know who Simon Sinek is, and he, he had a, a speech that I heard one time on YouTube, and he was talking about, our cell phones and how simply just when you if you sit down at dinner with your family or you sit down and you have a friend that you're having dinner with and you put your cell phone on the table it doesn't matter whether it's face up or face down Mm. 
what you're communicating to that person is that if this cell phone goes off, you're no longer the most important thing. I'm mm. going to look at my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I take it to an extreme. Like I, I'll put my phone on the floor under my chair because yeah. like I keep my phone in my back pocket. I don't want to sit on it, yeah. but I, I won't put it on the table. And so there's little things that like you're not looking at your phone, but there's also little things that just communicate that that thing controls you. Mm-hmm. That uh, he, he also talked about, he said, he was like, okay, so for those of you that don't believe me on that point, he said, so imagine that I was up here speaking on this stage in front of thousands of people, and I was holding my cell phone the whole time I was speaking. What does that communicate? That if my cell phone goes off, I'm going to look at it, and, and I'm sitting here giving a speech to thousands of people. Yep. So And now I'm communicating that this cell phone is more important than all of this. Yeah. And so uh, our body language and how we communicate that way is super important. Well, and, and the, the people who read that the most are the ones that we – interact with the most intimately our loved ones our kids the ones we our have the most influence over and so and and this is you know you know preaching to myself when i come home i have to make sure that my children i found myself ask me my children ask me a question and i'm trying to get something done on my phone even mm-hmm. if it's legitimate mm-hmm. like i was looking for mother's day presents mm-hmm. for for Allison the other day and my son comes in and asks me a question, and I was like, I felt like, oh, my gosh, why are you bothering me yeah. right now? Yeah. And, I, like, and he reads that, right? Like, yeah. I, like, and here's the scary – this is a great quote. Our children will become the men that we are today. Mm. Like, like, he's looking at me and going, this is my only and best model for what a father is. Mm-hmm. And what a, what a 43-year-old man is supposed to look like. What a 43-year-old like. man is supposed to look like. Physically, mm-hmm. spiritually, yep. relationally, professionally, I'm his best. I'm his best example. Yeah. And if I give him the message that I don't have time for him or that... Who, Whoever's post mm-hmm. is more. I mean, yeah. God, what a yeah. Can't. That that. Yeah, I feel like even even for your spouse, communicating, I see you and I hear you and I or so like you're not communicating that if you don't put your phone down. If you can't, yeah, turn it off, then you're communicating that, like you said, you're not that important. This is more important. But when you can put, you can drop it and put it down. That communicates like. I hear you and I see you and I care about you and what's going on. Greg Moffat, I loved hearing what he said back on his podcast. I think it was episode nine or something like that. And he said that he had a rule for himself that if he was in his office working and when his kids were younger and they would come in, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, Mm. he said that uh, whether it was something super important or something that he could put down, he would put down what he was doing and say, yes, what's your question? What what do you want to talk about? And he said if it was something super important, he would say, hey, I really want to hear what you have to say, but can you give me 15 minutes so that I can finish writing this article or whatever he was doing? And so I just thought that what he said was super good, and I want to make sure that I incorporate that in the way that I parent whenever Rachel and I decide to have kids. Yeah, Yeah, at least least if you address it. I I uh, I was coaching a guy the other day. He's a business owner, and he said – he said they were having some challenges in their marriage, and I said, "Okay, well, let's let's unpack, like, what is what does the day look like, and how much how much are you and your wife engaging and talking?" And I was like, "So, what is what does after work look like?" He's mm-hmm. like, 
well, we come in and we eat dinner. I was like, okay, so he's got young kids. And I was like, what happens after dinner? He goes, well, my wife sits on the couch and I watch Netflix. Like from 8.30 to 10.30 and then they go to bed. Kids and the no 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 the adults the kids are in bed by eight thirty gotcha, gotcha. and then from eight thirty to ten thirty yeah and I said so you have two it, hours there there's two hours I said how many like legitimately like all of your time is on and he's like yeah. I was like so like tell me how many words you spoke to each other last night between those two hours and he was like good night like wow I was like so you had a two hour time span when you were both physically in the same space. And neither one of you was present with each other. And you tell me you value your marriage. Like, if I, <laughs> Jeff, if I was in a room with you for two hours, <laughs> and yeah. I sat and consistently did not talk to you yeah. for two hours, uh-huh. what am I telling you? Like, I'd rather be somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So I just thought, like, man, why are we surprised when our marriages struggle yeah. when we're sending these messages? Yeah. Um, and... And it's so insidious. Yeah. Like the cell phone is just always there. And it, it makes us feel like we're connected. Mm-hmm. But all of this research says we're not really connected. Mm-hmm. We have just traded real, real relationship for a false, for a, for a twisted false version of mm-hmm. a relationship. Yep. Um, pseudo relationship. And it's yeah. not the same. Yep. Um, yep, and I just had the thought about that. Like we we all know that you know Satan, the enemy, takes things that are good and twists them, uh-huh. just like pornography. Yep, God created sex, yep. and sex is a beautiful thing between a man and a woman within marriage, and God and Satan takes it and perverts it and twists it. Yep. Uh, I don't know whether I don't know whether I think that technology was <laughs> created by God or by man, but I guess it's created by God because man wouldn't have the ability if it weren't for God. Uh, but he, ta- I think technology is a great thing; mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Sure. And then Satan takes it and twists it and perverts it to where it consumes our life and it rules over us. And then it takes away from the other good areas of our life, which is just being able to have a normal human mm-hmm. conversation that God created. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is fascinating how pervasive that is. And at the same time, I have hope. Right? Like like if you to ask I asked a gosh, an old retired he was a he was a colonel in the army from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And we were he was then had retired from the military and was working in a bank as a, a senior level guy at a bank and I was talking about culture change and he kind of scoffed at me and said something about, you know, you can't change can't culture change, yeah. within a organization. And I just looked at him and I said, hey, just out of curiosity, if we were at this same bank VP, like it was all VP levels at a pretty large regional bank, we were at this big conference table. I said, if we were here in the 1960s or 70s, let me tell you a couple of things that would be very different. I said, number one, there would be ashtrays in the center of this table. <laughs> All over the and, table. And 60% of you would be smoking indoors. Mm-hmm. And also you would all be white men. And I looked around at the room and there was a blend of color and gender mm-hmm. all at the VP level of this yeah. bank. Yeah. I said, culture can change. Mm-hmm. It's hard, 
but culture can change. And he looked at me and he said, oh, yeah, I remember at the Pentagon the day that they uh, changed from they changed it to a non-smoking building. Mm. And you had all of these admirals and generals and everybody who were used to smoking at their desk. Yeah. And I wonder wonder how much productivity went down because everybody was taking a smoke break every 10 minutes. But he, said, he said one, one general did actually have his desk moved out into the, uh, into the yard. Wow. <laughs> and he said was having meetings out there in protest. Wow. And that lasted two or three days, you uh-huh. know, like, but eventually, I mean, no one would think about smoking in the Pentagon today. Yeah. And we can, you know, to that, to that degree, we can implement cultural change yeah. through government. Mm-hmm. You know, law does matter. Yeah. And so I, I encourage, you know, the Surgeon General to try to do what they can. And I believe that the greater change happens at, from uh, the individual at, well, first at the very, very individual level yep. and then at the local community level mm-hmm. from that. Yep. Uh, we'll hit this last point of their pillars, their final pillar. Yep. And then I want to talk about what it is that we think that the Four Fires tribe yeah. has to say about this. Yeah. Their last pillar is the final pillar urges a cultural connection in which Americans cultivate cultivate values of kindness, respect, service, and commitment to one another. Should we have those already? Well, so here's <laughs> the problem. If you believe that you are the highest power in your life, then there is no reason for me to be kind to anyone other than it being self-serving. I'll be kind to him because one day that then that's oh, a yeah. tit for tat. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless you, unless you acknowledge that there is something higher than you that has asked you to mm. care about yeah. and to love and to be generous towards and serve your fellow man, mm-hmm. that is not, that is not in your own yeah. rational self-interest. No. no. Um, and so you're going to have a hard time mandating that. Real well, life change. I mean, even AA, when people want to make a change away from alcohol, the first thing is that you have to acknowledge that there's a higher power than you. Hmm. Uh, that's the, pr- the core premise of, yeah. of, of, of getting that level of change to happen in mm-hmm. your life. So I, I'll, be, I'll be fascinated to see and hopeful about what our government can do. Uh, But where I think real change happens Mm -hmm. is this is good for us to recognize that there is a problem. Mm -hmm. It is a problem that is now showing up at the societal level, and it's causing individual pain. Mm -hmm. And the reality is there is no great nation, there is no great company, there is no great family that is not led by extraordinary individuals. Right. Like, in order for us to be a great nation— we have to have great men and women leading it. Mm-hmm. For us to have a great family, we need to have great men and women leading it. And yep. the Four Fires tribe, th- all of you who are listening to this podcast, are people who are committed to living four-dimensionally, thinking about how is it that I shape my life in a way that makes me into the person that I'm supposed to be, mm-hmm. that helps me to put aside the challenges that society is throwing in my face that actually weaken me and distract me from who it is I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, go over. You, you do a lot of work with the Ruck. Mm-hmm. And as I um, – the Ruck is – our 30-day Ruck <coughs> is our program that we uh, – 
it's kind of like when you need to yank the wheel. Yep. When you're stuck in that rut and mm-hmm. you need to make a hard turn to the right and yep. get out of some of your unhealthy habits, the ruck is like a 30-day four fires boot camp. Yep. So talk about the abstentions that exist in the 30-day ruck and how those connect to some of this this uh, research. Yeah, so we have three different levels of the 30-day ruck, level one, level two, and level three. And level three is the most difficult. It It, it is designed to not be easy. Like For it sure. is very challenging. There's a lot of tasks and you're committing to a lot of stuff that requires all of your time for 30 days, all of your free time. Yeah. Really? Well, all of your time yeah. because yeah, it's all, all four areas of life. And then level two is easier. Level one is the easiest. And um, for each level, there's a list of on top of the tasks that you're going to commit to do. There's also abstentions. So level three, you're going to commit to five abstentions. So five things that you're going to commit not to do for 30 days. And those five things are um, so, no social media, no video. Video, what we mean by that is YouTube and Netflix and video games. video games. Any wasted time that you're just sitting there mindlessly doing something where you could be building one of your four fires. Um, the third one is no alcohol for 30 days. The fourth one is um, no pornography and then no sexual activity outside of marriage. And so for level three, you'll commit to all five of the, to abstain from all five of those for the entire 30 days. Level four, you'll commit, or sorry, level two, you'll commit to four of those. So to not do four of those. And level one, you'll commit to three of those. And the reason for that is we want to, we want to meet people where they are. Sometimes mm-hmm. we, we understand there's, uh, you, you just have something that you're struggling with and you're like, man, I, I don't, I'm working, I'm trying to get yep. better, but I, I don't think I can put it down for 30 days right now. So we want to meet people where they are. Yep. Um, I'd rather so, yeah. you be honest and, right. and commit to some, the growth that you can commit to right. than to pretend that you're going to do something that you know you're not going to do. <laughs> right. Yep. So progress yep. over perfection. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So how does that, so, so when we came up, gosh, when we came up with this model for, hey, this is what living a four-dimensional life looks like, and it requires some actions, but mm-hmm. also some abstentions, mm-hmm. talk about why did we put social media and video in there in terms of abstentions that you had to refrain from? Yeah, so social media and video, we kind of talked about it already. So if you if you uh, are spending time scrolling on Instagram, rare, so speaking from just me personally from experience anytime that i'm on youtube or i'm on social media i don't want to talk to you i don't want to even like be rarely am i like hey rachel let's come sit here and watch funny videos together right right and so rarely am i going to use that time to be you know make a memory with a funny joke or something like that um so the reason we say no social media and no video is because that time is just wasted time Mm -hmm. and also, how often when you're scrolling on social media or playing a video game, are you gaining any kind of knowledge or wisdom about yeah. how to live a better life? Like, I, I mean, yeah, there's sometimes I see stuff on social media that I'm like, that's good. I need to remember that. Yeah. But, but the biggest reason is because social media and video games and uh, being brain dead to a TV and our cell phones, they they 100% get in the way of the health of your marriage and the health between you and your kids and your friends and yeah. and if maybe your grandkids, uh, your parents. For sure. uh, so so I would say that social media and video negatively impact 
the people fire first. That's the yeah. one that stands out in my mind. Sure. But it, it could also, I'd argue, that it could get in the way of your purpose fire. Like, like you wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do is get on your cell phone and start scrolling social media, and yep. you could have spent that time in a quiet time with God. Yep. Uh, well, and so. then what this article says is it actually impacts your your physical fire. Physical well. fire too. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's there's all sorts of physical maladies from from all of this. So so this is an important thing for us to address. If you if we said, "Hey, look, I'm going to get rid of social media," and then you have a substitute, like you and you take good, that yeah. negative behavior yeah. and you substitute it with, "Hey, I'm going to actually call a lifelong friend." Mm-hmm and engage in that relationship spend that hour talking to a friend rather than just scrolling for sure yeah and that's a real relationship instead yeah. of this like false pseudo relationship yeah man i heard a it's social pornography that's what it's, it's relational <laughs> pornography right yeah, yeah. I, i'm not really going to be with someone who loves me i'm going to i'm going to pretend like i'm some, with someone yeah, who loves that's me that's right that's right um, i heard a let's see it, it was something about I can't remember if I read it or I heard it on Instagram or something. <laughs> but um, it was it was saying uh, I think it was on the topic of Christianity and and because we hear like you should you should pray and you should fast and you should read your Bible and those are things that as believers we should do. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean you can't do f- other fun things. Like it was it, oh it was something about parenting too because it said don't just tell your kids no you can't go out on a Friday night with these friends because no, right. you, because you're scared that your ki- your child's going to go do something yeah. bad. And it said, and said, so tell them what not to do, but then give them what to fill that time with. Right. So don't say, no, you can't go out with friends and then make them go up to their room. And then they hate you and they sneak out the window. Right. Say, no, you can't go out because we're going to go night fishing. Like right. you take your son and go fishing. Like, right. so don't just tell them, no, you can't do that fill it with something else yeah. and it's the same thing with if you're if you have uh i, I don't know sports if, is a great it, substitute activity for yeah. a lot of the the poor choices that people might have made in high school yeah that's right? like, that's a real like, good point oh, i'll stay after school and play football yeah or baseball instead of going and selling drugs or yeah whatever else i was going to be doing with my high energy and uh-huh. and small brain yeah. as an adolescent male yep um so yeah, I think I think finding those substitute activities mm-hmm. um, that are, you know, according to this article, what those activities are supposed to be is yeah. building relationships. Yeah, and another big part of the thirty day ruck is it all starts with a forty eight hour fast, mm. and so fasting is the same thing where you you are committing to not eat food mm-hmm. so that you can fill that time with prayer and time with God because. So fasting is for a God-centered purpose. It's not just to sit there and be miserable and make yourself or say like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't eat for two days, so I'm tough. It's, right. That's not what it's for. It's for a spiritual God-centered purpose, yeah. and you have something that you're praying for. And so you're, taking, you're, you're choosing to take food out so that you can fill it with prayer and time with God. Yeah. And so same idea. Yeah. So... Um, so what I think I want to encourage the Four Fires Nation to think about is, you know, um, uh, I'm thankful for uh, Dr. Murthy for bringing this to the forefront, for making it into uh, a social discussion for our nation from the U.S. Surgeon General's office. 
Uh, and I think if it's going to get solved, it's going to get solved at the individual and local level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that happens first by us deciding that we are going to be uh, men who live our lives intentionally, uh, who choose counter to what maybe society says is okay mm-hmm. for in terms of what it's okay to be addicted to. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna say no. That's not okay and acceptable for me and my family. Yep. And uh, that we are going to commit to be in community with one another, with other men who are have the same values and beliefs and experiences that we have. So I encourage you if you are not part of a thriving uh, community of men that are authentic and and encouraging and challenging, uh, we invite you to be a part of the Four Fires Tribe. There's a link in the description for how you can do that. There is, uh, there is a, there is an online platform for how we are connected, but there are also local area chapters that you can connect with other Four Fires men in your area yep. to go hang out and grab a beer, to go watch March Madness with, to do the things that men do together so that we have real relationships where we laugh together, cry together, share life's experiences together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in a place where some of us are, some of us need to take, uh, take medicine because we're in pain and some of us need to take vitamins so that we stay healthy Yeah. and wherever we are in our four fires journey, if, if we need some, some medicine or if we need some pain or we need some vitamins, I think community is a special thing that solves a lot of that. But uh, the 30-day ruck is a great tool if whether you're trying to hone your areas in all four fires or whether you need to say, hey, I need a hard reset mm-hmm. and just take a month to say to remember who's in control of your life. Yeah. Um, I encourage you to uh, check that out. And, and Jeff, what's the next, the dates for the next? We've got uh, the, so we actually have a 30-day ruck starting uh, this Friday, May 5th. It's and full then though, right? It's full, it, yeah. and it's too late to sign up now anyway because yeah. of the prep week and all that. But we have another 30-day ruck scheduled for July and September. Okay. Um, and those those will start uh, the first Friday of those months. Okay. So I don't know what the exact dates yeah. are, but we'll, we'll yeah, post them July, in the July well. and September. Yep. Great. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Four Fires podcast. I hope this was informational and educational for you. But more than that, I hope that it sparks a moment of real change, uh, awareness, ownership, and then discipline in this area. So thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. See you.